0: Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly podcast. I'm one of your co hosts, Michael Branville, and as always, I'm joined by Jay Gilbert. Jay, how are you doing today? Great. So, we got a special guest joining us today. Why don't you take the honors and introduce her?
1: We have someone
0: who has
1: some really great experience in the uh, music industry. Um, And, Cameo, please uh, help me out here. But I, I know you started off in radio. Um and you went on to you know spinner i met you when you were at uh, apple itunes and then of course you went uh... to universal motown and then on to uh... borman which is for those who don't know is a management company uh... with keith urban and a lot of other great talent um, but i've known cameo for many years Um, and uh, she's just a wonderful person, and and like I said, with her background, she has a unique perspective on uh, how we market and uh, sell music. So welcome, Cameo.
0: Thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Um, I want to jump, and I'm sure Jay's got some things he'd love to pick your brains on, but I want to jump right into the Apple iTunes world. Of course. You know, the... The the a lot of the listeners for this show are DIY artists, although we have industry, Mm -hmm. a lot of industry people that listen as well. And and it feels like Apple iTunes is one of those things where it's like, well, obviously, I know I got to be there. But what can I do? How does it work? How does that machine and that monster of iTunes even work? Do I as a DIY indie artist? Do I even stand a chance in hell of raising, getting my, getting above all the noise that's out there?
2: You do stand a chance, although I will say it's harder now than it was when we started. Um, <clears throat> I think one of the misnomers about iTunes is that it's all algorithm, or that it's machine-based, or that it's paid placement, and... Um, The truth is there's a really amazing group of editorial people that have been there since the very, very beginning of iTunes that curate all of the content that you see on the store. So when I started there, I was hired to do alternative and rock. Um, And so that's what I did. I would actually listen to tons of music all week and kind of like a radio programmer, I would choose the stuff that would get featured. And, you know, I felt I was really proud. I got to promote a lot of stuff that... um, I don't think would have gotten the attention um, in other stores that it, we were able to give it in iTunes, and so it was. It's a very democratic kind of thing. And when we started Single of the Week, for instance, um, until the day that Single of the Week died, Single of the Week was every single one of the editors from every different genre would come in with a handful of uh, songs that they really, really loved and wanted to champion, and we would vote. And the Artists that got the most votes was single of the week for the following week. So it was a very democratic process. Now they're so much bigger that it's definitely harder to break through. But it's still editorial and there's still a process. It's just that because they're the biggest store now, the politics have gotten a little thicker than they were in the beginning. So every single one of the um, DIY distributors, whether it's TuneCore or CD Baby, they all have a rep at iTunes that sits at iTunes and is tasked with making sure that the releases make it into the system. So what happens is there's a There's a list every week of priorities that are made up from the labels, including the the distributors that the editors go through and they listen to that music and then they decide whether something gets placement or not. So it is still editorial. It's just that there are so many different players now in the scenario that it is a little bit harder to break through. And you have to make sure that you've got the right relationship with the right distributor, that they're getting your stuff on that list to be considered.
0: So, so, you sort of answered it, but my question, as you were saying this, is how do you reach out and touch base with these editors? And it sounds like a, on an individual artist one-on-one basis, that doesn't happen. Is that correct?
2: Not, that's correct. Yeah, that it, is. It, correct. It, it, it
0: go. You're either going through your label or your your digital distributor. The TuneCore yeah. the CD babies of the world. So. Um, And
2: technically that's still getting you in front of a label rep. Okay. which then feeds it to the editors. I mean, they we worked really hard in the beginning to kind of create this walled garden around the editors so that it could be true editorial and they weren't going to be swayed it's by label politics. That was really important in the beginning. And it's it's gotten a little bit muddier, but even to this day, the major labels don't reach out to the editors. They reach out to a label rep. They give them their priorities, and then the editorial team listens to the priorities and so makes it, decisions. It, it's
0: sort of these... The, these editors are, um, you know, the wizard behind the curtain. We don't know who these people are. They, they're, yeah. they're, 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 they're pretty powerful and they're very well protected, so they don't get inundated with a million people making requests on them. Which yeah. I think is 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 fair. I mean, because otherwise they would. Is that
2: scalable? Yeah, they can't. Right. They could take all of those. Requesting because, as you can imagine, I can't. I wish I could remember the exact number, but it's been a minute. But there's something like, you know, at one point in time, there were 10,000 releases a week or something that were coming in. I mean, there was no way that you could vet all of that as an editor.
0: So, so as a as an artist at any level, you need to have a relationship with your your distributor, basically, who's got the relationship with the label rep is is yes. is the way and it's going to work. Yes. And
2: make sure that it's the, the that that distributor has a good relationship with the label rep because they don't they're not all as aggressive equally. How
0: how how can you vet that out? How can how can a listener go, well, how how can I see is, is, is there a chart somewhere that says here's the ranking of of how how these reps, how these companies um rank when it comes to dealing with itunes there's maybe. not
2: although maybe i should make one maybe i should i could i could put that out in the universe the, the ranking chart of how to get
0: yeah i mean i i you know i could see a, a an artist going well gee how does tune core rank compared to cd baby versus this one versus that one versus the that orchard one? whoever or- yeah the orchard all of them because that could and should it play into it, it matters. It does greatly. matter, and
1: I, I think what they may need to do is ask around, talk to other artists, yes. talk to other artists' management, and just do, do your homework. Yes. I think what Cameo is describing is also the case at other DSPs. You know, the Spotifys yes. of the world. They sure. do try to keep those editors, and I think that's the best way uh, to do it. But you know, you can also increase your chances by you know helping out Apple. Helping out Spotify, yes. you know, driving yeah. traffic, you know, and making sure that they're tagged in advertising, and you know, it's but, but, not but, just- but
0: Jay. Doesn't that come from what the the distributor, the rep, is going to be able to offer? On behalf of the artists they represent. Yeah,
1: you know, if it's valuable, I mean, look, if you're a starting artist, not always. Artist, I mean, there's
2: artist market. artist capital matters too, right? Artist capital matters to those companies, even even if it's small, it matters.
0: Yeah, okay. so it's not point. just the distributor. But but you yeah. but, but you as definitely you definitely
2: a system of what works and what doesn't work. You and as I an artist have to make
0: your thing. reps aware of your capital assets, though.
2: Yes, you do. But the, and I would say the number one thing to vet when you're deciding which distributor to use is: is there a human being that I get to talk to about my music? If everything goes through only a support at you know distributor.com, that's probably a sign that getting your music in front of the right label rep and editorial team is going to be challenging with any DSP, not just iTunes.
0: And is it safe to say that? Um some DSPs specialize in certain genres that others don't.
2: Yes. Yeah. I mean, it sort of depends. They've all they've all gotten broad across the board at this point, with the exception of classical. Almost all of the DIYs have killed off classical because the metadata is so challenging. It is. Um, and there is a company called Dart Music that started basically last year just for that reason. They started for classical and they've got a really brilliant solution for metadata, but that's why everybody else has abandoned it. It's challenging. And,
1: and Cameo, can you explain that to those who don't know yeah. how the difference between having a pop artist and a song and on the classical side where you have... It's so much more complex. Yeah.
2: I mean, the, the number one issue is that all of these systems, including iTunes, were really made for a traditional... Pop album, and by pop, I really mean basically every genre except for classical, where it is there is a singer and there is a title and there is an album or a EP or a package, right? And with classical, yeah. you've got works and you've got movements and you've got um, the Composers. soloist talent and the composer and the director and the, you know you've got all of these things that are um, actually critically important uh, yeah. to getting the information across on whether this. This is, you know, the William Tell overture done by this symphony versus this symphony with this soloist and this composer, that all matters to fans of classical music. But getting that information across on a DSP that was made for artist title album. Yeah. is super challenging and it was something that we battled at iTunes early on and we brought in a specialist to sort of help us with that but to this day none of the metadata systems at these distributors w- are set up for that other than right. Dart so they've had to abandon it even major labels where you know they've got a pipeline into uh, not just iTunes but all of the DSPs to get music live they would be delayed 6, 8, 10 weeks on a release because it took so long for everything to get processed.
1: Into the system. Yeah. And isn't that, isn't there a movement now to get everyone together just on metadata to, yes. um, and, and I think that will be, if it's done right, I think that could be really helpful across the board because some people are using a DDEX feed. Some people yeah. are using kind of a homegrown system and, I'm a big, you know, metadata junkie. Some, and some it, people
0: it, don't include any metadata, as, well, I, and, as and I wrote Mike, about a couple weeks ago.
1: You know, fi- found an example recently, and, and we've all seen those because, you know, uh, some people like to do puzzles, you know, you know, when I can't sleep, I like to fix my metadata, you know, and it's amazing to me how much is either wrong, uh, okay. it has spellings, wrong dates, uh, track numbers or just things like that. And I think that putting the classical thing aside for a second, I think something that Mike brought up recently in one of his posts is it's so important for you as an artist, as a manager, as a distribution company to make sure you're providing all of those fields and that they're properly done. It isn't a glamorous thing, but it's important on so many different levels. But it's also not
0: difficult to do uh, at all. Uh, no, know. it's
2: all information you should have, but what makes it difficult, Mike, honestly, is that a lot of these places where you put that information in, they don't have all the slots to put the information sure, in. Right, so you're right. having to kind of keep track of it or use multiple services or whatever it is. And, and that becomes incredibly challenging too. And I think, you know, it was one of the, I thought it was really interesting, and I can't remember the exact number, but when I was at Universal, you know, everybody thinks that the, the big ones, it's like, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Ardia, Rhapsody, whatever. But there are 150 different services and 150 different basically metadata decks on requirements.
1: On how, yeah.
0: how
2: these things are delivered. That it's almost impossible to to get this stuff done in a way that makes sense because there's no standard.
0: Right, right. That's what we need. It, is, we, is, we 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 need a standard, but. You know, and and I think what what Jay is seeing, we've all seen this. Is is the the basics are missing sometimes. I mean, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. I'll i I wrote the articles. So I'll name D. Snyder's brand new single that he gave away for free didn't include the artist's name, didn't include an album name, and was misspelled with the song name. The yeah. you know what the three things that you would sit here and go, yeah. those are the most basic things, yeah. and and. All you have to do to see what your metadata is, suck the song into iTunes, your iTunes app and see what comes up. Yeah. There you go. It's not hard. It's not hard to do and and it it's it's about looking professional is what it What it means is, and you see it all the time
2: on SoundCloud and other services where they just like they're so excited to get something out to their fans that they upload it and they really don't think about it. Saying you know, master deck version three, and it doesn't have any information on it. That
0: have have, have you actually taken your finished MP3, put it in a player, and listen to it like your fans would? What does it look like? What is the experience like? And I think you know we've all seen it. So many people don't do that.
2: Marketing's hard enough. You, you need to get the basics right. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. When yeah.
0: when when I when I'm in when I'm engaged to market your music, I really want to trust that you've taken care of all that stuff and you're delivering yeah. to me something that's good, finished, yep. ready to go. Yeah, um,
2: but but, mad, but it's also all these skill sets that 20 years ago artists didn't have to oh, have. You're right. You're exactly right.
0: Yep. Yep. Um,
2: A question
0: I wanted to follow up real quick on. So you talked about how um, label reps come in with these priority lists. Mm -hmm. What is the chance of an editor discovering something that's not on a priority list?
2: Hi. 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 The people that do the editorial, and I can only speak to iTunes specifically, although I've seen this at every DSP as a partner. Mm-hmm. They are music geeks. They love this stuff. They live for this stuff. They, In fact, some of those editors live for the things that nobody will find because it's gotten so big and so political at iTunes, for instance, that you know, there's a lot of stuff they're featuring that they may not love, but they know it's going to sell. That wasn't the way it was in the very beginning because no. nobody, nothing was selling. You know, it was a, it was a loss leader for the iPod in the beginning, but now that weighs into it pretty heavily. And you know, I can remember even debates internally that we never there were certain kinds of music and certain artists that we didn't really promote because we didn't think they were very cool. And that shifted at some point. So the cool stuff still matters to the editors. And you will find if you dig around on the genre pages that there are those little nuggets that you know they've found. And and, and, and,
0: and, real real quick, Jay, so they're discovering that just through their own being part of the music community, the music online world. They're going, I found this band on a Bandcamp page, and I love it, and they've got an iTunes product let me see if we can you know is that is that how it's happening
2: yeah it's some of that and it's also that even on this list that they do get every week there's more stuff than they could ever possibly listen to on a weekly basis so some of it is like the small little labels and the small little distributors that they're sort of digging through and they're finding other things and they're you know they're music fans so they're looking for it in the same places that other fans are looking for it and finding it
1: do you do you ever have these DSPs contact you cameo and say hey i heard that you signed so and so or heard you picked up this client or i hear you're working with such and such like so early on even before you may have uh, a finished product are they that rabbit of music fans that they're they're, they're following it that closely
2: i think some of them are um, it's a little bit more challenging because right now our the bulk of my roster is country and i feel like it's a it's a different it's a little bit of a different animal in sort of discovering country because it's still so radio driven
1: right yeah. um,
2: that there's less of that kind of underground bubbling stuff for us but I used to see it all the time I used to see it that you know we would we would call um, managers we would have artists come to us directly we would you know in the, in the early days it was a, it was a little bit more it was a little bit easier to be you know what's it, the, accessible yeah
1: yeah what's the difference cameo when you're, you're now dealing with country primarily right and you've dealt with all sorts of different genres and let's step back to universal where it may have been pop or hip-hop or whatever what's what's the difference when you're uh, clearly you're in a different role uh, when you're working with management but when you're working to get visibility and um, you're trying to market these what, what are the unique challenges to the countryside that you may not see on the pop side
2: to me, it's definitely radio. I mean, it is, radio has a chokehold on country. We've got We've got an artist right now, like brand new artist who we all know, like you can just see it. She is going to be massive. And she's got, you know, 50, 60 million spins online and she's sold singles and these things are working. Radio is the only piece that hasn't come together yet. And it has meant that, you know, she cannot break through Without that, it's a very different world than when you see – it's actually almost the opposite of other genres because what you'll see in other genres of music is that they're actually – they'll watch Spotify charts and iTunes charts and all of that. And if they see something popping, they don't want to be behind, so they'll add it. Whereas in country, it doesn't hit the charts on any of those other places until radio has played it for the most part. Well, Is that due to a small playlist? It's a small playlist, but it's also it's just the way that country has always played the game. I mean, I will tell you that when I came here, one of the most surprising things to me was that we've got an artist that is a superstar act that still goes to radio and still does morning show stuff and still does all of these things every time that he's touring and he's out doing stuff. And I mean, I had acts in rock and hip hop that they would do that at the very beginning and they sure as hell would never do it again. You know, it's just it's just different. There's an accessibility that's expected of the country fan yeah. and of the country radio to these artists that if they don't play the game, it's a, just a different Got world. It. it really is. Well, cu- country country
0: music and the relationship to radio is sort of what what the music industry was like 25 years ago. Yes. All all genres were yes. were were devoted to radio.
2: And everything else has caught up with other genres except for radio. I, I,
0: exa- exactly, exactly. And, and country The, the radio, streaming
2: has caught up, the sales decline on traditional CDs has caught up. All those things have caught up except for radio. And radio still holds do you, way, do you, way too much power. Do you think <laughs> in
0: country yeah. that radio is eventually going to get pushed out so it, it, it catches mean, up with it the will, rest of
2: the genres? I think it will be less impactful over time i actually think the debate around women on country music is kinda pushing this to the edge because there's just this whole debate and if you're outside of country you may not have even seen any of it but there was literally sultan that came forward and you know this whole ridiculous conversation about you can't play women back to back and you can't play two women in an hour and just all this old school stuff that if people say it enough you start to believe it sure and i actually think this is pushing the envelope because you've got you've got country superstars now that are coming forward and saying this is crap this is this has got to change this isn't even reality because what we're seeing from the f- f- the feedback from fans Is not that because now you have a feedback loop where you're talking directly to fans and you can see what they have to say about this and they don't agree. But you've got the same guys, for the most part, who are programming these stations. You've got the consolidation of radio, which on other genres, because it's not as impactful other than pop radio, maybe. You've got this consolidation where you've got two guys that determine who works and who doesn't in country music, basically. And it is. It's brutal. And if they don't like something or they're not feeling it or they are it's a ballad and they want an up-tempo, I mean I've never heard the crazy discussions that I've heard in this.
1: Right, no. and it doesn't matter if you've got a ton of YouTube views or tons of spins on the no. DSPs or, or any of that or the social numbers are ridiculous or they're selling out and people are going I mean nuts. they'll
2: pay attention to it at first, but it doesn't matter because they're still going to like – put it in overnights and it's not going to get enough to get it. You know, it's not going to get enough spins to really do research, but everything relies on research and the research is, you know, based on 10 people and one t- I mean, it's just this crazy loop right. that they've been doing for, you know, for 40 years.
0: Um, well, let me, let me ask you something related to iTunes again. So an artist makes it through all of those hurdles, challenges, however you want to describe them. And they get placed. They get, they get placed on the genre's homepage on itunes mm-hmm. what can an artist do at that stand at that point to help push things along even further i mean what 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 does apple go wow look at that that artist is doing something that's helping now that we gave them the placement what brings you know what raises your eyebrows a little going oh okay i like the what these guys are doing
2: well, this has changed pretty dramatically in the last year, eighteen months um, because what it used to be was if an artist was really sort of pushing and driving and maybe they had some advertisements and all of that, you know it would it would incentivize you to keep it to keep it front and center on the page. We only made changes to the page once a week um, unless it was really like some major thing that had happened or something had gone wrong. they now There is an algorithm that sort of helps with what's being featured. So when things are being featured, if there are things that start to pop that are selling that aren't being featured, those actually get pushed into the featuring slots. So there is a combination of editorial and sales that now affects those pages in a way that when we started, there was no... There was no mechanical. There was no algorithm to any of it. We chose what to promote, and that was all that got promoted. And now it's a combination of the two. And it's not that it can't be overridden. It, it totally can be overridden by an editor. But what they see, what they would see, is you would maybe miss something in one of those lists, or something would outperform in iTunes in a way that you weren't expecting, and you know, now that means that it will get featured if it hadn't been in the past. And so yeah. it's hard. I mean, because the thing that matters is that you getting feature is actually making a difference in sales, that the sales are working. So artists have got to coordinate their sales efforts those first day or two that it's out on iTunes and really push that if that's something that's important to them. You know, I mean, I always... it. Every time that you're sort of working through a strategy with a label or on a release, the challenge is, oh, well, Monday it's iTunes and Tuesday it's Spotify and Wednesday it's – and the truth is you have to really – you have to think about the strategy grander than that. And think about what it is that you think is going to be the most impactful and you really have to kind of run down that path with a partner and, and go all in because that kind of all over the map, people are going to find stuff where they use w- w- at whichever service they use anyway. So if you're wanting to stay promoted and stay in that space, you have to kind of commit to it.
1: Yeah. Can you get a second bite at the apple? Meaning that if you're featured, say, Street Week. And then three weeks later, things just go nuts. It's an artist development story. Things are starting to break. Does that happen?
2: It does, but it's hard. It's hard. They don't have any, they've never had a really good sense of recurrent, you know, and I don't know other word to use. That's my radio lingo, but I, it was always something that we battled even internally while I was there. It was that there wasn't really a good way after first week to come back and kind of revisit something until there was another single or something else going on. If there was a reason to talk about it, then it was a little bit easier. And they can make that determination. I mean, we've definitely had things over the years where first week was not what it was about, and a month in or two months in, then it made sense because it was like, oh, this is really happening now. Let's go talk to them about you know being considered for placement. Um, and see if they're into it and and one of the things like with any dsp if they have a personal relationship with the artist if they've gotten in there and they have that dialogue they want to support them they want to be champions they want to be ahead of everyone they want to be part of that kind of thing so yeah, the relationships yeah. matter whether it's you know directly because you've had a really good um, distributor who has a really good relationship with a label rep and you've been able to kind of make that direct connection or however that happens
1: do you find it's hard to kind of break that mindset, that industry mindset of it's all about first day, first week? Um, you know what I'm talking about. It just seems like
2: yeah.
0: And now al- an album is old if you're trying to pitch it a month later.
2: Yeah, I I mean to me that's just a, it's a label construct, and I think you know when all these DSPs started, they didn't have any other way to do it but through the label construct, right? And I think that that you see that that changes a lot, and I actually believe that the success of Spotify coming in and having a song that can rise to the top however long after an album or a project has been released mm-hmm. actually has places like iTunes having to find ways to revisit oh let's look back at you know a month ago or let's look back at last year because they have to otherwise they're not addressing what's current right now because the current thing could be six months old.
0: Let me let me ask you does something as simple as um, fan reviews and fan ratings play into decisions? <laughs>
2: Um, they definitely look at them, but over time, again, as everything, it's, you know, there's sort of this understanding that a lot of it is kind of corrupted in that, you know, that, I mean, I've, majors always find ways to cheat through things, right? No. And so then...
0: <laughs> you be quiet.
2: You find yourself in this place where...
0: Paola um, have, of fan you know, reviews. Every, is that what we're at
2: now? They've cast every intern with writing a review or doing these kinds of things so it's sure. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to tell what's real. I actually think that they probably place a little more stock in kind of the indie stuff on that than anything else. It's it's more. It will solidify something they're already feeling. They won't make a decision based on that. But if they see a ton of really great reviews and they see that this thing's, it might just kind of go, oh yeah, right. Uh, I really liked that too. It seems like everybody else is liking it, but they don't take much stock in it because it's you know it could be manufactured. It's so it's, easy. It's to it's,
0: it's definitely not playing into any sort of automatic algorithms or anything like that, it's okay. No,
2: that's strictly gonna be sales. Sales and, um, you know, it's interesting because the algorithm at iTunes for the chart is um, sales and uh, uh, currency because in the very, very beginning of iTunes, we were afraid that our chart would be Pink Floyd all the time or, you know, whatever, because those would be the things that would sell and so they had to put some weight on the date that something was released to give it a little more weight than something that was released a year ago. And I'm the- sure over the years that has been tweaked many, many times, but um, you know, you could actually see a scenario. And I did many times when I was at universal, cause we would get daily sales numbers where something had sold and it wasn't, you know, number nine had actually sold slightly less than number 10.
1: Yeah. It does. It does. Page views or glance views play into that at all in no. Apple? Because no. the
2: editorial team doesn't look at any of that.
0: I was okay. also going to ask, what about um, um, previews? Playing the you know the ninety second preview is that? Do they look at quote those streams?
2: No. Well, and again, you know, I haven't been there for a few years, so I could be misspeaking. But, but it certainly it wasn't didn't. anything that we had access to. No, okay. yeah. I couldn't have told you. I, there, that was not information that. I could look up at all. I could barely look up the sales frankly.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And that's gotten easier. They definitely can do more of that. But I don't think I, honestly there's so much going on and there's so much back-end engineering of things that we thought 10 years ago would have been changed and fixed that still haven't been mm-hmm. that you know those aren't priorities for the for the editorial team.
1: On the countryside, are you seeing the decline of digital downloads? even more so uh, than physical, like we're seeing on on the pop side? Or is it maintaining it's a little steady. bit stronger?
2: Um, it's pretty steady, but I, it's interesting because I also feel like we're, we're kind of going directly from major CD into major streaming. We're almost sort of bypassing that as a secondary thing regardless. So I yeah. think that's part of the reason that it's staying steady is that it was never like, oh, here's the dawn of country downloads. It was sort of like it got bigger and bigger every year and you would find that country acts were finally getting that like 40% threshold that you know pop, that hip hop and pop were getting all the time on an album sale but you were lucky if you got 10% on country and that right. over time shifted 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 till we would get around 40 and now it's just it's kind of maintaining i mean we don't really see like major drops in in downloads but we're definitely seeing streaming numbers kind of drastically have changed over the last year and a half
1: yeah and do you feel like your partners like the Spotify, RDO, Slacker, Apple of the world, do you feel like they have a staff that gets what you're doing, that understands that genre?
2: Yes. I mean, to some extent. I think that there's still developments that need to happen. Nashville's kind of a weird town. I mean, it's very like – you know, we go out to lunch and shake hands and it's, you know, it's sort of that good old boy network. And so if you don't have somebody that sits in Nashville all the time, half of what happens here is just when you're hanging out at the, you know, the the two big restaurants in town where you can go in and it's like old school Hollywood or something where everybody's at the same um, restaurant. Um, So you miss out on pieces of that. But, you know, there's there's the give and take of having remote employees too. That's always a challenge for These tech based companies in particular. So, for most of the big companies, there is a rep now that is solely dedicated and lives in Nashville, which helps. But it's not enough because then you basically said, oh, all of Country and Christian is this one guy right here. And they're going to do label relations and editorial for the most part. They're sort of doing everything because they need somebody in Nashville. So, there's still some challenges there with even just getting enough time to break through and get attention, even when you have relationships where you can talk to them directly.
1: Yeah. Outside of radio, what are your biggest challenges going from the label environment to now working with management, which I think is great because now you can kind of see both sides of that curtain. But now that you're in this role and you've been there a little while, you know, what, what keeps you up at night outside of the, the radio side?
2: Well, what keep, honestly, the stuff that keeps me up at night is babysitting record labels. And it's not anything against them. It's that the way that they've built their model over time and the infrastructure that they have to support and continue to support, regardless of the fact that it makes no sense in our industry anymore, means that they don't have the resources to get things done the way that they used to. And there are all of these services that now management companies have to take on and management companies don't want to spend the money because they're not making any more money necessarily from this my world is very hard to show return on investment and so I think this is a challenge for management in general it really particularly for a developing act this is a huge challenge if you don't keep up your social media, if you're not taking care of the website, if you're not managing, you know, making sure that the distribution's happening properly and that the partners have been reached out to and and playlisting and all of these things, you are missing opportunities for your artist. But there's not one of those things in particular that really shows ROI to the extent of a full salary. That is a real challenge for a management yeah.
0: company. Yeah. And yeah. and, you know, having having worked with management companies as a contractor, and then dealing with the label for the artist, you you realize that if you're not constantly babysitting the label, it's not going to happen. No, it it it, it completely is really forgotten. Them,
2: right? I mean, they've got way too many acts for too the many number acts of people with too that Too few they have. people. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But so they're contracting.
1: Happening. Right? They're they're yes. reducing their staffs. The yes. people left behind are doing the jobs of three or four different people. Right.
2: So it's um, not even a blanket like against the label kind of thing. It's the reality of what's happening in the business. And now you're having people have to take it on that don't make, for the most part, don't make any more of a percentage of anything that an artist is doing. But they, but somebody has to do these things. And the most you will see at most management companies is a person who will do social media. And they only do that because, you know, they've got it in their brain that somebody has to take care of Facebook, Right. Right. But they don't really understand the strategy behind any of this. And the right, and they can also
1: hire somebody happen. at a very low salary, some
2: yes. kid to... so that makes it a that. little bit more palatable, right? Exactly. And if you go outside to an outside company, it might even be slightly less than a salary. But if that person does not live and breathe in the management company and really know everything that's going on, again, you're you're going to miss opportunities. It's just, it's sort of critical to how management works and there's this weird place where you know all of these services have just shifted from one place to another yeah it's hard
0: yeah yeah it's 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 the you know there's so so many young artists are like you know they look at managers as the new bank yeah i get signed by a manager that manager is going to invest money in me yeah and and it's hard to make them realize, you know, the only person that's going to invest money in you is you. Yeah. You, there, There's nobody walking around, labels or managers, who are going, I got a pocketbook. I want to spend it on you.
2: Right. Well, and I they're just going to put money indefinitely that you don't owe back to them ever. Right. Right. right? Yeah. And there are definitely management companies that will invest in artists knowing that you know, this is it's the it's the long view. You have to have the long view, right? And I think managers are going to do more of this expansion because managers get long view in a way that the labels don't and can't because their models change so much they can't have long
1: absolutely. View. Right. I mean,
2: I cannot tell you how many times I've heard the oh well, you know, when when so, when Martina came out or when so and so came out, like they didn't have a hit on the first record. It wasn't until the second. Re- you don't get that chance anymore. They don't. They can't. They can't afford it. They can't afford to do right. that. The VC at the labels has shrunk.
1: Right. right, it's not artist development. You know, I, I see it almost as, in some regards, management's becoming the new the record new, label. New label. You know, yes. the, the Howard Kaufmans of the world, the Irving Azovs may have been yep. pioneers here, but you know, you see some of these deals coming down, whether they're making a direct deal with Walmart or whether they're you know, doing these 360 doing, deals on their own. They're
0: doing distribution deals. That's all, that's all yes. a manager's looking for is, I still need you to get the product out there. We're going to do everything else because, frankly, we can only trust ourselves
2: to do it right. Yeah. Yeah. And we can only trust ourselves to make sure that even when we're not on cycle in the traditional label sense, that there's still things going on for an artist. If you let that fall every time there's not an album, you're starting from scratch. Basically, in this day and age, you're starting from scratch finding your fan base every single time, and you cannot do that. You have to keep them engaged so that you can sell merch and tickets and all these other places where the artists are actually making their money. Yeah. I
0: yeah. can't tell you how many times I've worked with labels where it's like the last day of the world tour, you're no longer a priority with the label. Yeah. <laughs> Your tour is over. Mm-hmm. Done. We'll see you in nine months when we've got a new product.
2: Yep.
1: Yeah. I've seen some really good comparisons with uh, different management companies, whether it's Q Prime or 10th Street or whoever it is. When I worked uh, at Universal and with Warner, there were certain management companies who would engage you. And the conversation was at a certain level. Yeah. They they wanted to keep the relationship going, but they also wanted to make sure that you understood the vision. Because I've always believed that the management company, that's where it starts. That's where the true view and vision of that artist is. It's not, you know, distribution can do some great things. You know, labels can do some great things. But that vision, that direction really comes from the artist and management. Yeah. And you could you could tell when you're on the phone with these folks which ones were fully engaged. And, you know, even with the account base, they, they didn't just turn it over to a label or distribution. They checked iTunes. They checked Amazon. Yeah. You know, yeah. they walked into a Walmart store and would get on the phone why isn't my product here yeah. you know why isn't But it you have Excel? to have
2: the right manager for that cuz one of the most challenging things is that i can wake up this morning and say i'm jay gilbert's manager that's it that's the only requirement yeah. there is and so you right. have this entire base of people who are momagers fanagers dadagers yeah. you know they can no <laughs> this other than trying Mama to juries. they think protect the interest of this person that they're engaged with, and they don't really understand how the business works. And I've said a million times, you don't have to like the way this industry works, but you have to get it to be successful in it because just being agitated at how broken it is doesn't 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 make you able to pioneer your way through. I see it, that's, that happens in tech all the time, right? People come blazing in with their amazing technology with no respect for what's happened in the past, and it doesn't go anywhere because they don't want to hear it.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I've I've told many a young artist that your mom is not really your manager. Your mom is actually more of an assistant to you. They're yeah. just doing busy work for you. That's not yep. the true role of a manager. And when the time comes, are you prepared to fire your mom? Right.
2: right. <laughs> Can
0: you fire your mom? Right
2: because no. you have to be able to find a yep. team that's not on your team you know yep. I mean you have to really build a strong team around you and different managers have different styles and you have to find Definitely. the place that works and fits for you and sort of fits Definitely. your vibe because some of them are really like you know they're great at touring or they're really playing the volume game or they're going really deep and they have small rosters I mean it's you know it's all over the place but the biggest thing is aligning your strategy and what you want with with theirs because you, your mom is not going to have strategy for how to go talk to the record label.
0: Yeah, or book a or tour. Or leverage
2: what they're good at, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, exactly. and, and know when to walk away from the things that maybe they're not good at. I've,
0: I've got, I've got um, one final question for you, and I've, I've asked this of, of many of the managers who have, who've been on the show. Um, when an artist is ready to be managed, does the artist go find the manager or does the manager find the artist?
2: I think it can happen both ways and through other connected, you know, through publishers and through agents and things that sometimes, you know, sometimes that's the first piece in the puzzle Um, or lawyers often. Lawyers, big piece yeah. First piece in the puzzle um, who will connect you with, you know, if you've got somebody that's seasoned enough, they get it. They understand what you're looking for and they can help you steer you the right way. Um, but I think it depends. It depends on the manager and the style and how they operate. There are certainly management companies that basically have a people that are kind of out there scouting and going to shows. Um, there are artists that will cold call managers, and sometimes that works for them. Somet- you know, Most of the time it probably doesn't. Um, it just depends. It just depends on the manager and the artist, honestly. How do you know when you're ready to be managed? I think when you've got... When you've got so much stuff to do, and by stuff I mean everything from booking, promoting, social media, all the if you've got more stuff to do than you can spend time on your art, you need a manager.
0: Yep. I think that's, that's good. Super uh, insightful.
2: Yeah. Do you
0: want to, well, here, do you want to be contacted by artists that are interested in managing? Are you interested in having people reach out to you?
2: Um, I think, you know, if they're interested in something in social or digital or have questions, I'm open for that. We actually are not open on the management side. It's not how we operate. I
0: I, want to make that very clear. So understand, people, no solicitation of acts. (laughs) Right, and
1: she's busier now that she's managing me.
0: Right, exactly. I don't know how that that deal came down on this show. Do I get a percentage? Do I get a percentage just because it happened on the show? Yeah, well, you'll have to talk to my manager. We'll have to to talk (laughs) Talk to 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 my manager. That'll take a minute. Um, (laughs) What's the best way to reach you?
2: Um, Twitter is uh, DigimusicBitch. (laughs) There you go. So Uh, there there you know
0: what you're dealing with right there. (laughs) Uh, I love you. Well, so you way. know,
2: the thing is, if you, I mean, not to like wave the woman flag, but if you're a woman in this business, you inevitably run up against this stuff. I figure if I own it, nobody can use it against me. So Amen. I'm that. So I own it. Twitter's good because um, it also gives me a chance to kind of vet you before I decide whether to give you my email Exactly, address. before you
0: want to reply to them.
2: <laughs> but I, I mean, I will say, probably to my detriment, I am very open to um, people reaching out. You know, a lot of people reach out through LinkedIn and things like that because I did not have a, particularly because I didn't have a female mentor sort of coming into this industry, that the mentoring piece in general is really important to me. I tend to take um, more unsolicited meetings than I would like to admit, because I feel like in my world and with digital in particular, you just never know. You never know what that right interesting thing is going to be, um, or that next like really great, you know, kid who can do social media or can or, do. Or you things.
0: know, as, as you've got on a wall behind you, when the next Nirvana is going to walk right, the front right. door. That's
2: right. We've got Amy Winehouse, Little Wayne, and Nirvana. We
0: got there the good go. stuff in here. There you go.
2: Thank you, Jay. Very
0: country. Awesome. awesome.
2: <laughs> right. I know. Well, it's to remind me that I I am personally larger than country music.
0: <laughs> Cameo, this was awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for so taking much. The time out to chat about all of this and take us behind the curtain of iTunes.
2: Yeah. Well, it's you know it's a it's gotten to be a pretty lead curtain at this point in time. So I get it.
0: Yeah. It it, yeah. it definitely is. I think it's something that um, intimidates, scares, um, and people yeah. just are like, there's no knowledge about it. You know, no, they've, they've kept it no. very but close was to their chest but that was on
2: purpose from the beginning yeah. I mean I will say that there is an amazing group of people there on the editorial side and not just, Beats has obviously changed the culture because it's brought in some um, bigger personalities from the music industry but there are amazing editors that have worked there for 10 years or whatever but at the beginning Steve was such literally his own cult of personality, that there was nobody else. We, we weren't even allowed to call something editor's choice because really the only person that existed at Apple was Steve. So it was sort of a conscious effort to kind of keep that t- in a different place that I think you're going to see continue now that they have these larger personalities in there from the music industry, that it's going to shift a little bit. And I think you'll see that. We Nobody spoke on panels. Nobody participated in conversations. I mean, these are just things that weren't, that didn't happen.
0: Right, right, right.
2: So it is It is a very veiled kind of thing. And I like to pull it back a little bit because those are really amazing people who do really great things. And, you know, I'm I'm certainly proud of my time there and the people that I was fortunate enough to work with and hire while I was there. So
1: Awesome. awesome.
0: Thank you again well, thanks so again, much, Cammy. Thank I you
1: really guys. appreciate this it. This
0: was awesome. Thank Jay, you. I lo- that I was floored by that, that discussion around iTunes. I don't... I'm sure there's probably been other articles and discussions. I just haven't come across them and it just it feels like to me you know getting the peak behind what happens in iTunes has never happened in in yeah. much fashion out there. No one's really Absolutely discussed right. the yeah. process, the procedures well, most how people don't dis- even
1: know you know you have to kind of be there and work there to understand. And I've been in a role in in the last uh, five, ten years where uh, I've worked very closely with Apple. And when Cameo was at Apple, she was the label relations person that I would talk to. And we would go to iTunes original sessions together. And we spent a lot of time talking about uh, Apple and the music industry. And she has insights that most people don't because she comes from radio a music director a program director an on-air personality you know she did the AOL music spinner thing you know and then to come to bring that to iTunes I don't know if you remember but they had a weekly um, podcast where they would talk about music and that was Cameo talking about the music they were cutting edge they were doing a lot of great things and I had a little label at Universal and one artist that I was really trying to get people to listen to was a guy named Will Owsley Uh, he went by Owsley and he had played with Shania Twain and Kenny Loggins and all sorts of folks amazing artist and I gave it to Cameo she took it to that committee that they talked about and he got single of the week and that happened because they loved the music it wasn't paid for it wasn't coerced it wasn't like i'll buy you this trip to tahiti and you do this for me and i just love the fact that you couldn't buy your way in and as frustrating as it was sometimes because you wanted to get your music in front of that editorial team i do respect the fact that they had a wall up that you couldn't directly go to those editors i think that adds some legitimacy to it Yeah, yeah. But but I could have talked to her for another couple of hours. That that was just a really really great chat.
0: I mean I think the takeaway for for um, all artists, especially DIYs, is you definitely have to have an understanding of of your distributor. Um, You know. Yeah. No one talks about that. Great, you signed up. You know, and I'm not picking on anybody in particular because this applies to all. But you signed up for CD Baby and you're using CD Baby or TuneCore to push sure, the music out. That's not a relationship. That's using a service to just spew it out there. Um, as 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 she mentioned, is there somebody you can actually pick up the phone and call and talk to? Yeah, they have to you, be your partner. Yeah, you need to have that relationship because you've got to pitch yourself to that rep and convince that rep that your new release is amazing so that rep takes it to the label rep at apple
1: yeah that you want them you want to be a cheerleader and you want them to be a cheerleader for you someone who believes in that artist that you're promoting um, whether that artist is you or not, but you want them to have that enthusiasm and you want them to have the knowledge so when they have those conversations, they can answer questions about, well, what, you know, what are their socials? You know, are, do they tour? You know, who are they involved with? Who's producing it? What are the musicians they work on? You know, and get them excited about, and kind of tell that story that you and I so often talk about. Each release, there's a story behind that. And you need to be a storyteller and, and tell that story and get people excited about what you're doing.
0: You need, you need to know who to tell that story to because yeah. in the case of iTunes, that story is not discovered just because you submitted your music to be released on iTunes. Yeah. That story is brought up the channel by the appropriate people and that starts with your relationship with your, your distributor tune CD baby orchard whoever it might be exactly um, you've got to have that relationship if they don't have the relationship you're gonna get nothing and
1: at some point we might want to dig in a little bit more about you know Apple has the capability where you can upload music on your own and you know, you can put. It's kind of like putting your music into a store on consignment or something. You can put your music on these DSPs by yourself. You don't necessarily have to go through, in in all cases, a middleman or a DSP. But there are definitely some benefits to doing that. And maybe that's something for a future show we can yeah, kind of talk it, about. It,
0: we, we could definitely talk about. It. I mean, because I think there's there's different scenarios where you might want to go one or the other. I mean, if you've mm-hmm. got a huge not even huge. if you've got a good fan base that's very engaging and supporting of you and you're not looking to be discovered and become massive and all you want is a platform to sell music to this base that you know is going to buy it
2: you it know on.
0: go go for it because you want at that point you're looking to keep as much money on your own you don't want to cut it cut distributors in on this type of stuff go straight to the end retailer and post it um But if you're trying to become a breaking act, well, a breaking act is where you need those relationships.
1: Right. And you're paying money. There's a distribution fee, right? Sure. So if you're paying any of these, whether it's a major, whether it's an indie, whatever it is, if you're paying these folks to distribute your music, there's also an expectation that goes with that, that they're going to do certain things for you. But you can't just turn it over and just hope it gets done. To your point earlier, you have to have a relationship, you have to have that communication and manage those expectations and make sure that they're earning their money and, and standing up and doing the things for you that you need to have done.
0: Yeah, exactly. That, that That's a good way to end this. So um, listen, you know, what I would love to hear are our comments on what experiences our listeners have had with various DSPs, digital distributors, you know, have you, have you found fi- have you used C D baby and found them to be great in pitching your stuff to iTunes? Have you have you worked with somebody that has gotten you placed on an iTunes homepage, a genre homepage or the main homepage? right um, who did it? What did it take to make that happen? Um
1: Are you getting into playlists on Spotify? Uh did you do you have the the Orchard or any of these these folks that we're talking about? We're not picking on anybody, but is have you had good experiences? Have you used multiple um, distributors? Um, what's working? What's not? I would love to hear if anybody's getting into playlists, if they're getting placement, if they're in any of those weekly email blasts that go out for, say, you know, new music. Now it's Friday, new music right. Fridays. Those sorts of things. Yeah, I think that would be really interesting to hear.
0: So you guys know where to go. Leave your comments on uh, Facebook.com. We've got a we've got a web uh, Facebook page for Music Biz Weekly podcast. YouTube. You can hit us up on Twitter. Both of us are on Twitter. You'll find our Twitter handles and cameos will be right right below as well. Um, we want to hear from you, and 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 whether it means anything or not, go to iTunes and rate and review us. It makes <laughs> us feel good. It Thank makes you. us feel wanted. <laughs> <laughs> All right guys, that's it until next week. We're out of here. Thanks.
1: Thank you.